Ben, are you wanting the comedy intro or like the, wow, this is about to be a great intro? Let's go with a little mix of both. In a long time ago, I already and messed I up the grammar there. Oh, well. <laughs> no, it was great. It's perfect. Yeah. Very hanger-like. Very in the middle. Very just confident. In a long time ago. <laughs> That's how a hanger man starts every story. <laughs> oh, man, I hope that becomes a running joke. <laughs> Because this comes out before our uh, oh we should plug this real quick. This comes out before our uh, our rafting trip. Yes, at the end of uh, May thirty first through June second, we are white water rafting. I have to say it that way because I just sound like Bob Dole if I if I try to say it quickly. Should I know who that is? <laughs> I forget your age. Yes, it just all runs together. So white water rafting is happening May thirty first through June second. Cost of the trip three hundred bucks. That covers transportation all food, and your trip down the river, which we're doing start to finish, the Ocoee start to finish. Like the part where the Olympics happened. Yes, and all the other parts too, So, yeah. which is a lot of times when people go to the Ocoee, they do a small section. It's about an hour and a half or two-hour deal. Well, this is we're much longer. So anyway, that 300 bucks covers all that stuff. I've been striving to be much longer my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Thanks. Uh, speaking of, it's only going to cost you $300. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so how do you sign up for this? The men who are listening are asking. You can actually go to Live Vertical. We're piggybacking off of the church that we work for. That's all right. LiveVertical.tv slash Hangar Weekend. H-A-N-G-A-R Weekend. And you can click on a button and sign up. Yeah, there's some fields you have to fill out, but it's super nothing, easy. Yeah, it's not like your social or anything. No. Yeah. The FBI is not going to be coming. It's it's you have to commit but in a hanger man sort of way. So that that's what's most Which important. Which means mildly. <laughs> Just <laughs> That's right. Say, yes, I'll go. <laughs> Fantastic. Sure. I mean, my name's on a list. I'll decide the week of though. <laughs> so speaking of committing, we've committed to the season format and talking about one idea for 10 episodes and this episode marks halfway. It does. Kind of the the end of the first half is what this one is. Yes, the end of the first half. So we've got mm-hmm. some pretty exciting stuff coming for the rest of it. But this this episode allows us to kind of look back and really, really dissect the places that we've gone so far with some new content. I'm pretty excited about the fact that we've committed to this idea and stuck with it. And I've been very surprised as I end the last episode, very surprised with the things that have come to light based on our discussions. It's just taken us to some interesting places. Yeah, and I got quite a few uh, compliments on the horse uh, interview. Man, the so The horse man interview. I, other people like yeah. Tom, too. Yeah, which, I mean, honestly, we shouldn't be surprised because we like Tom a lot. You know what's so funny? Tom, listen to the episode. He sent me a message, and he says, you guys were far too kind. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we were a normal level of just human with you there, Tom. But yeah, that's, that's, right. a, that's a very Tom thing to say. We're we were, just we reacted like any human should to Tom. I it, think that's what's happening there. Exactly. So I think there's a, a shirt, a hanger shirt in the future just with the likeness of Tom on it. Oh my gosh, we ordered some hanger shirts. That we did. And not just some. A hundred. A hundred. Yeah. Yes, we ordered a hundred, so... Mm-hmm. You know, new things happening inside of the hangar. We're we're growing up a bit, Chase. Yeah, and we're going to set price on them. We, I think we talked about it, but I can't remember right now. But it was not very expensive, no. which is awesome. No, ten bucks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Ten bucks, which is about what it costs us to print them. Yeah, it allows us to break even and have. Yeah, thank you for yeah, that. Just really slapped my leg slide. there really loudly. But it allows us to break even and makes it easier for us to get other shirts in the future if we so desire, which we yeah. do. Yeah, I've got a couple of shirts in the works. Um, one would be on fair. I mean, you got to have one that says on. I fair. don't know how we haven't done how that one we first, done honestly, but that's all right. The other one I want says Tinker's Dam. Spelled how? I have no idea. All right. But 
it's said in my Tuesday night men's group a lot because a guy, Dan Hagee, who is a part of our group, uh, it's a phrase that he uses, and apparently it has— And a, only he, as only what I he, gathered. But it has a very rich history, and it's always preceded by, I don't give a, I don't give a tinker's damn. And apparently it means I just I don't really care that much. So it means exactly I don't give a damn, but, but with tinkers on the front. Tinkers of it. On, so to hear a grown man say tinkers is uh, <laughs> a pretty very fun. grown man. As a matter uh, yeah, of fact, <laughs> he is very grown. So, but we digress. So we have shirts. We're going to make those available uh, for sale. I don't think we're going to do that online. But if you're around us in person, we're going to make those available. Uh, Ten bucks, you can support the hanger logo. Pretty cool logo, by the way. Yep. So anyway, lots of cool stuff brewing. We've also got a men's intensive that's coming up. We call it a couple of different things, coaching weekend. There are going to be 20 guys that spend a weekend kind of digging into their story, figuring out how they're built, uh, how they're made, and what's made them the way that they are today. A really cool experience for guys to go through. So we're just moving and shaking aside the hangar, pursuing health as, as best we can as men, we're going places. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the things that are happening even outside the hangar, things that are happening inside of men's families and men's relationships and, and their lives in general. Guys breaking addictions, guys recommitting to their kids and to their marriage. I mean, good stuff happening inside the hangar. Very true. Yeah, so what? let's let's go where we're going today. How about it? Yeah, so there was an original plan for this. Yeah. But the more we uh, kind of hashed it out uh, – we decided that this fit kind of our more classic model. Like, you're going to lead the episode because you've done all the research about this topic, but yes. it, it'll be nice for you to be, uh, throw it against not just a brick wall on the other side, but someone giving you some feedback on, like, what they think, which, spoiler alert, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what's come to mind lately is uh, I have a lot of thoughts, and uh, sometimes those thoughts make sense, and sometimes they don't. But this this particular one, I just have been... It's been interesting. I've been receiving these episodes as much as I've been participating in them, which has been really, really cool to me. Uh, but we, we got going on this idea, this one quote, long enough to forget who you are. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it because part of it is it's just a little bit of a mix. I think a lot of men struggle with not know, knowing who they are in the first place. But a lot of us, even if we do have that figured out, even if we've been inside the hangar on a masculine journey inside the hangar, we can very easily, based on life circumstances or stressors, forget who we are, depending on how long we stay in that mode. So as I was thinking about this uh, building into this episode, it really took me back to 2007. And I remember uh, I was watching TV. At that time, I was watching a lot of news coverage. I don't do that much anymore because it's just bad for me. Uh, But at that time, I watched a lot. And I remember looking. This guy was running for office And that didn't really catch my attention because I lived through the Clinton years. And by that, I mean, I can remember sitting my freshman year of college and um, we were grilling this guy. He was actually being questioned and all that sort of stuff. They were calling for his job. You remember all the stuff with the Lewinsky scandal. And so at that point in politics, especially being at that impressionable age, I'm like, if you're involved in politics, you've sold your soul to the devil. You've sold out. There's no way you're getting to the White House without making all sorts of shady deals. So I didn't I don't even pay attention to elections very much and I certainly wasn't during 2007. But as I watched this guy campaign something caught my attention. It it was his wave. His wave was oddly limited and I'm I'm watching him kind of, hey, I'm running for this office. This is what I'm going to be. This is the kind of guy I'm going to be. And nobody was referencing why his wave was so limited. By limited, I mean he was never picking his hands up above 
shoulder level, which made sense if he was on a stage, but I was seeing this happen actually on the streets. And I started doing a little digging and I found out the backstory incredibly interesting. That's what I want to kick the conversation off uh, with today, if that's all right. I'll allow it. Okay, so uh, I reached back and looked into this guy's family tree, and I'm very much ready to hear when you ex- expose who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to build the tension a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you know, sorry, like, hey, I'm interrupting. Yeah, we're Keep going. going. You're doing great. Sweetie. Thank you, thank you. Interrupt a little more. <laughs> so I look back into his family history. His father and his grandfather, four star admirals in the Navy, in the, in the United States Navy. So he really, as I'm reading the story, had no choice but to be a military man. Nature over nurture. It just seems like. To be a man in this family means that you commit to the military, you serve your country, and he's coming of age during the Vietnam era, which, man, instantly gets my attention because my father was in Vietnam. big part of my story is looking back and, and thinking, man, one stray bullet, and I'm not even here. You know. So anyway, I'm just super intrigued. You know how I feel about war stories and people who have been to war. You love them. Really big into that. I'm, I'm totally a coward and can never go myself, but, <laughs> but I really love to read about them. Yeah. Uh, so then I see, oh my gosh, this guy actually spent some time in Mississippi because he was a pilot. So he goes through and there's a uh, pilot, train. they train pilots in Meridian, Mississippi. Like, there's no way this guy actually went. And then not only that, more amazingly, he had positive things to say about Mississippi. Wow. Yes, yeah. So, well, he was a politician. We should, we should probably say that. Uh, but then I dig into uh, his time during the military, and I find out the reason for his limited wave. So October 26 of 1967, he's flying his 23rd mission over Vietnam, fighter pilot. So this guy's, you know, like Top Gun, all the stuff. He's got all the pedigree. He trains other pilots. He's flying these really dangerous missions. And he pulls the short straw, apparently, and he's flying over Hanoi, which at this time, 1967, the most heavily fortified, think about this statement, the most heavily fortified city in the world. And he's got to fly over it low altitude, and he's looking to take out uh, targets that are important for the enemy. Now, they, they, weren't, they were not uh, civilian targets. He was going after bombing the infrastructure. Uh, but as the story goes, that afternoon, his plane is shot down, uh, surface-to-air stuff, They take, uh, which was their job. I mean, we have planes flying over our city bombing us. We need to take it out. So the Vietnamese shoot his plane down, and the story just gets worse from there. As the plane's going down, he ejects out, and he follows his training, and he, he shoots out of the plane, which, as, as we all know from seeing Top Gun, is a very violent thing. I mean, it's, it's much less violent. Killed goose. Yeah, it killed goose. It's much less violent than slamming in, into the ground in a plane, but it's still not, a, not an easy way to escape a plane crash. So he breaks in that process. He breaks seven bones just ejecting out of out yeah. of the plane. So now we're getting a little clue as to why he might have an awkward wave. But his plane was shot down over a large body of water. It's described as like a lake. Uh, we, we would say larger than a pond, smaller than a reservoir. It's called a lapond. A lapond. Yeah, that's what that's what the Vietnamese call it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it actually sounds like a weird form of deodorant. But anyway, let's keep going. So he's he's falling out of the sky. He's got all these broken bones. It must have been painful, but I'm sure his adrenaline's going. He lands in this body of water. And it's 20 feet down to the bottom. And because of all the stuff that he's wearing, parachute and all and the like, he instantly sinks to the bottom, has to get out of all this stuff. But he's got all these broken bones, one of which was in his leg. So he's got to take one good leg and push off the bottom 
and surface. He gets to the top. Amazingly, he gets to the top, takes in a big breath of air, and then immediately begins to sink again. And this is, as he tells the story, immediately begins to sink again. And at that point, he's got a decision to make. I'm in enemy territory. I've been shot down. I'm all beat up. We know how at this point in their history, how the Vietnamese are treating Americans who, who, who have invaded their country to stop communism. He's got a decision to make. Do I push off the bottom of this lake, La Pond? Do I push off the bottom again, or do I just let this be it? He decides in a split second, survival kicks in. He pushes back up to the top. As he gets to the surface to take that second gulp of air, there's a huge amount of Vietnamese there because they've seen him go into this body of water, and they're there to get him out, not to save him, but to capture the American. This started a very long journey for this particular man who actually wrapped up his time in Vietnam over five and a half years later, stayed most of his time in the now infamous Hanoi Hilton. There's actually video footage of one of his first couple of dates there because after a while, the Vietnamese figured out that this man had incredible military pedigree. They found that out, which as we all know, because we all watch Netflix, it's a very dangerous thing to be a famous soldier. Mm. So that, man, we've got one of the, we've got one of America's boys, one of their top guys, you know? And uh, so you curious who the guy is? Extremely. (laughs) Okay. So I think most people probably figured it out, but it's John McCain. Yeah. John McCain, he runs, uh, unfortunately, makes the decision to run with Sarah Palin, and the campaign turns into a joke and all of those things. But he <laughs> hangs very honest. Yeah. He hangs around the political scene for a really long time. And for, I mean, just recently passed, for all practical purposes, people look back on his career and say, man, a very admirable right. political career, right? Yeah. Coming out of Arizona. Uh, but he's got this incredible backstory, spending all this time as a POW in Vietnam and wants some of the worst conditions, other than probably the Russians and the Germans. Some of the worst uh, conditions you could possibly imagine being caught behind enemy lines and then being kept alive. So they repeatedly tortured him yeah. um, to, to try to get him to crack. But here's the thing that they were trying to get him to do. They wanted him to leave. So eight months in, this is the most fascinating part of this whole story. Eight months in, they, they find out who he is and they say, you know what? We're going to release you because we want the world to see that we will release our POWs and we are kind to our prisoners. Totally mm. false. Right. But they were trying to put that propaganda out there. All he had to do was accept the release at eight months in. After he doesn't accept that release, it's another five and a half years of pretty consistent torture and mostly solitary confinement. They developed a system where they were tapping through the walls to be able to speak to each other. You can look up these interviews on, on ABC. There's one on 60 Minutes. Everything's on YouTube these days. Right. You can see that original video where he's all beat up and in cast. It's pretty incredible. You can watch history this way. But he refuses to accept release. And the reason that he gives for it is he knew that if he if he were to accept release, that they would he they would look the Vietnamese would look at all the other POWs there. And say, look, America only cares. And what he says is, America only cares about the admiral's sons. That's who they want back. If you're not an admiral's son, they don't care a thing about you, and they'll leave you here to die. I mean, what humility, right? But the part that I'm wanting to dig into is he spends all this time in solitary confinement, being tortured. I mean, a a lot of men come out of this situation. They're never the same. Right. But John McCain, having these interviews in his 60s and beyond, says, I remembered who I was. I was an American. I was there to do a job. I needed to be able to lead the people who were around me. 
staying true to who he was in some of the most horrific circumstances imaginable. How did he do it? How could he have humility? How could he stick to who he is? And if there's something we can figure out about his story to take into our own, I think we're going to be the better for it. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, I was just going to throw it to you to ask the question. As you hear me tell the story, and you've heard portions of this story before, Mm -hmm. what is it about this guy's approach? He was obviously in a circumstance where he could have forgotten who he was, but he didn't. What is it that strikes you about how John McCain was able to do this or something from this story, this part of his life that we can learn from? Yeah, there's so many. We won't know because we can't ask him directly, but there's a lot of constants in, in men not even men, just people like this in the world that have existed, you know? One of them is uh, one that a lot of people will probably go to, and it's probably a decent portion of it, but is they were just born that way. Mm. That's fair. I think it is. Um, another thing that I, I would think is that, and this may not be expounded upon a lot, and I may honestly be wrong because I, I haven't done as much research as you, but he may have been raised that way. Like I may, a lot of his upbringing, whether directly uh contributing it to it or not but like i don't know like he i feel like he probably given the path that he followed into adulthood probably had a great deal of respect and a decent relationship with his father and or grandfather since he's comes from a long line or it's yes yeah i think you're right about that because part of the big question people have about the story is well if his if his dad and his granddad were this powerful how come nobody was in there getting him out? You know, well, it was a heavily fortified city, but, right. but the fact is, even his father was acknowledging, "Yes, my son, I want to save my son. I want to get in there and do something about it," and was working fervently to try to make that happen, but within the rules of what needed to be done based on the larger cause. And right. I think I think this is a big part of it. And if I could just light up the conversation right here, <laughs> I think we as men today have lost our belief in larger causes. I mean, you heard the way I described the Bill Clinton thing, how jaded I became over that. And then then you start learning about all, all the other presidents, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's not just him. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like people in power, and, and it's easy these days as men to be jaded and to be cynics. And we've lost the draw, the pull of the larger cause unifying us, knowing what we're supposed to be about because it's not just about our world, the things that are going on in our life. There's something bigger at stake here. This is what stands out so much to me about John McCain. Yeah. Because if it were just about his story, I'm walking out. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I can walk out and I can get back in a plane and I could start doing some damage. Yeah. Well, basic instinct and survival instinct is take care of yourself first. So no one's blaming anybody for having that reaction. No. That's, That's natural. Yes. Which I think makes it that much more impressive when people gather together and fight for like you said a bigger cause yes yeah you know like think about even way back when civilization was first starting like guaranteed everybody had in the back of their mind i'm looking out for me and my family because you know that's what's there right but what what founded civilizations and drove humanity forward was these communities of people putting aside, looking out for just themselves and working towards a greater purpose for the entire community or cause, whatever you want to say. Insert insert X there. Yes. Yeah, even at a time, man, especially think about this time in American history, Vietnam was not a popular cause. No, I mean, <laughs> not at all. Still not really a popular cause. Right. Uh, but I think for him it was even, and you're right, it's unfortunate that we can't talk to him about it, but 
based on the interviews that I've seen, uh, and he, he was very quiet about this as most veterans are. Yeah. Uh, but there was something greater even than Vietnam at stake. And I think part of it was his personal honor. In fact, he did actually, he ends up through just consistent torture. He ends up reading a, what's termed as a confession. Basically, I was wrong for flying this mission over Hanoi. America shouldn't be here. I mean, you, you can read it. It was broadcast. And uh, he maintained later in his life that that was one of his greatest regrets, that he actually cracked under torture and read this propaganda over the radio. So that's something that we would all give him a pass for. You know, I mean, I'd be like, hey, I'll read that right now if it'll make you quit whatever it is you're doing to me, torturing me. Right. Everybody knows this is propaganda. But for him, he was holding on to this like, I this is something I shouldn't have done. I lost, My code of honor was compromised by reading this confession over the radio. So he's got these two things going on inside of his life that I feel like, and we say this a lot, but we, we have to do this because we're defining to a large degree inside the hangar what the problems are. What are the problems? Well— Many of us have lost our belief in a greater cause, and many of us, although we are we desire to be good men, we don't have a code of honor. Yeah. We don't have anything that drives our ethic other than circumstances. So when you see a guy, you're right, that fights these instincts of self-preservation and says, you know what, I'm going to stick here even if it's just for the good of this other guy yep. that I'm tapping through a wall to talk to. I mean that's just – that's grit that's disappearing. It, I'll be honest. It's grit that I wish that I had. You yeah. know. So when I'm in a situation, what I'm trying to admit today through this story with John McCain is that sometimes it doesn't take very long for me to forget who I am. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's. I think with modern culture, it's getting harder and harder. We're falling back more on that basic instinct of like caring for yourself, because like we're every, everything technologically technologically around us is driving us more inward even though it's connecting us with the world more and more because of all the social media aspects and stuff. It's like putting your best self out there. But when you do that, it gives this surrounding, surrounding shrouded wall around yourself of like, it's hard to be real with people. Like being, being real and being honest and being open with people is what drives community. I think it's mm. having a man's not going to have your back. If he doesn't know who the heck you are. Yes. Right? Like, yes. I can't even imagine the level of intimacy and knowing each other those guys in that POW camp had. Yes. Probably astounding. We'll probably put the hanger to shame, and I'm quite okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And they remained friends for life. Yeah. That, that's another thing. They're interviewing these guys that are like, yeah, I was there with John. You know, it's just cool. It's cool to John. hear. Yeah. yeah. I was there with John. He was. He did this, or he did that. And I, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things where we're driving in. Here's my personal experience, and I've I feel uh, talking to hangar men who are listening to these episodes, this is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of them. When we start sharing where we are personally, the things that are going on inside of us in response to these episodes, for me, the world is driving us in more and more internal, more and more isolated, more and more self-sufficient. And what I'm finding out is that unless I'm very settled in who I am, that's a really lonely place. Yep. And I'm in no way trying to say that my life is anything like John McCain's in, in Hanoi by himself and I mean, those terrible conditions. I don't mean that. But I'm drawing the parallel emotionally to sometimes I feel like I'm in solitary confinement, but I don't know the guy that I'm in there with. Yeah. That's what haunts me. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know who I am down to the ground. I don't have these things that I can hold on to in a solid way. 
I've talked about on my worst days. Like on on my good days, I do know who I am. Yeah. But the implication of what we've been talking about in this season so far is that you've been in some particular circumstance or situation so long that you've forgotten who you are. Yeah. Well, for me, sometimes that's 12 hours. Yeah. Or sometimes it's when my wife says something to me that hits one of my triggers. Yep. And then I go into a place and I start forgetting who I mean, this is real talk. Yeah. I start to forget who I am and then I start acting in a way that isn't consistent with who I desire to be. So let's do this this quick exercise. I think this will push the conversation <laughs> down the road a little bit. Uh, kick the can down the road is what you meant to kick say. Kick the there. can. Yeah. yeah By the way, my wife's been getting on to me because I've been saying kick rocks a lot lately. Is that a real phrase? Kick rocks? Yeah. What? This guy can kick rocks. I don't care. He can kick rocks. That, what is that even? That what? must be why it bothers her. It's <laughs> okay. not even a real thing. All right. So mental note, stop saying that. So here's, uh, can I just turn turn the uh, question directly to you? So you, and Or do you want me to go well, first? I can, no, I can cut it if I have to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you go first. <laughs> so my question is, who is Chase Hammock? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well... Quick break, a word from our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so hard to answer that because, like, one, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, one one that I've gotten more comfortable in, like, I want this to be the first answer that pops out of my mouth is a guy that follows Jesus. Okay. And then another thing that I strive for is a guy I can trust. Uh, like, And my wife has actually brought a lot of this out of me as of late. Not not specifically the trust thing, but when we first, after the first few months of being married, she felt this real, real drive to like get some real community established. And like, I had never experienced community like she had. And so it took her having this deep, deep like base of like, no, this is what real community is to teach me what that is and Mm -hmm. to start looking for it within this community. And it has been happening rapidly and it's caused me to want to be a better friend to these people that I want to be my friend. Like, I, shame on me if I expect these people to be best friends with me or whatever if I'm not willing to, like, put the effort in to make that worthwhile, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So I've been really striving to be, like, a, a good friend. I want to be considered a good friend. And I think I'm getting better at it, if I can do a little humble brag there for, for a Go minute. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, th- I think at this point in this season, I would say Chase Hammock is a good friend. That's good. Because that's what I want to be. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like that you went to those answers, too, that uh, that were not negative. Yeah. You know, mo- I just, I've re- I've refused that part of me as uh-huh. over the past year. It's just like, I don't, it's okay to be sad or upset, but like, why why do you want to stay there? Like, people people say like, it's just, it's not that simple. It's like, I get it, but you're a little bit in control. Like, just like, I, I I understand being sad and I get yeah. sad or I get angry, but yeah. like, I don't have to stay there. It's not, it it's not a choice or it's, it is a choice to stay there at least, you know, long-term. Yeah, I agree. But what I'm, what I'm going to point out based on my experience, uh, speaking with men and speaking with myself, which is what I do mostly, uh, we most often go to those negative descriptors. Yeah. I mean, it's almost to a man. I, for as for an example, in our my Tuesday night group that meets weekly, uh, which is I bring this up because of the community piece you're dropping in there. It's one of the places where I am reminded who I am, not who I think I am, or or what the day has told me that I am. Uh, it's it's happening actually this evening. I'm look, very much looking forward to it. But uh, we we have 
been going through this practice of defining our life in five words, mm-hmm. which I know sounds very Ben, but it's, it's just a way to get the conversation That's going. Right. And uh, to a man who has shared at least, at least four of the five words have been negative. Isn't that's that sad, man? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But that's the internal dialogue. Most guys are struggling with the way that they have failed when they answer the question, who are you? Yeah. They either give you, this is what I do for a living. Yeah, I hate that. I know. <laughs> Come I know. on, man. We pick on that. This is what I do for a living. Or they start rolling out these, well, uh, and this is one that most often is is the start. Well, I'm divorced. Uh, yeah. I'm like, no, no, I don't. Who are you? Yeah. You're a guy who's been through a divorce, but who are you? Yeah. You know? So I've tried to answer this question uh, for me. Who Who has been? Uh, Where do you go first? Uh, I go the negative first for yeah. sure. Yeah. Hey, you're a six. I'm a six. We we fear failure. We feel failure. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just part of who we are. But, um, you know, interestingly enough, what I've tried to do, and this is uh, a little bit different language than what you used, and I appreciate your hesitancy in throwing it out there. First, I think that's because we are men who are living in the southern United States, and this is thrown around uh, for people to sell their business or their industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I want to say first, Ben Derrick is a son of the king. Yeah, That's what I want to say. And I have to say it that way because it helps me overcome the stuff where I feel disqualified. Yeah, I had a guy ask me two years ago, man, do you think God's proud of you? I said without even thinking, no way. Dang, there's no way. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And it's, you know, it was a a big moment. But I've built over the past couple of years. I'm a son of the king. And I and I have received privilege because of my alignment with Jesus in my life. Yep. So that's the first thing that I want to convey. The next thing that comes across is um, I'm a damn good communicator. That's the next thing I want to say. Um, Those are some positive things that that come up. Um, Husband. Father, father to you know, so it sounds a little <laughs> bit like the gladiator. But um, I start to define myself based on my roles. But it's a it's a difficult question for me to answer when I start getting past that, you know. Yeah. And I think this story that we're telling about John McCain, this guy over this over the course of five years, he had to decide who he was. Yeah. Not just because of his name or his pedigree. All the stuff that most men are chasing, he already had. Yeah. He was already Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Right. Like already had it. Yeah. Already had the wife. According to the rest of the world, he had he was there. He yes. Made it. Yes. Yeah. It, you know, he, he was the uh the senator's son. Even during that time there was a song, I'm I'm no senator's son. Right. He was the admiral's son, even better. You know, he had all that stuff, but all that stuff was stripped away, basically, where right. he found himself. Oh, and, you're equals there. Like whether they say it or not, after you say no, I'm not leaving, you're that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you and everybody else has dysentery, I don't really care who your dad is, you know? You know what I mean? So, uh, but but he was able to answer that question in a in a pretty pretty solid way. And uh even with those that physical reminder, you can see that clip where he gets off the plane. I mean, he looks like he weighs about 70 pounds right. and he can barely move, but you can see the sense of pride inside of him and I think he carried that for the rest of his life, you yeah. know? Another big question that I have, and I'm, I'm just rolling out these big questions, all starting in the place of long enough to forget who you are. Right. Um, I would like to believe about myself that I can face a tough challenge and and be the sort of man that I want to be. Does, does that statement make sense? Yeah. I And I, as I'm in this season of growth, I've found that 
it's good to be strong just within yourself, but those challenges are much harder and much harder to overcome if you don't have people around you that are that also know who you are. And what I mean by that is like, you know, it's it's okay to forget who you are for a second because we're human and it's going to happen. But the growth is when you have people around you that also know who you are. And when you go to that dark place, they can look at you and say, what are you doing? Mm. This isn't you, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when that adversity comes over, because we're human, because we're flawed, a lot of times the first reaction is whatever the dark side of us is, right? You know, we shell up, lock down, whatever, lash out, mm-hmm. multiple things that can happen there. But if you have the people around you that also know who you are, who know who the real Ben is, they're going to call BS. Yeah. Because yeah. you've given them a right to, and they've earned that right. Yes. Yeah. Getting into that community, man. It's, a, it's Even if we tried to escape it, which we probably won't, even <laughs> if we tried to escape it as a theme, we can't help but come back to it. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. Like I, at some point, we just, we're going to stop apologizing for it because it's, we see the beauty of it weekly. Yes, that's right. But I'm I'm going to go a little step further, be a little bit mo- more vulnerable here. The guys that were being interviewed about John McCain, they talked about this tapping system. It was on a grid. It's pretty genius. They were they were tapping out the alphabet, spelling words. Yeah. And uh, C and K were the same thing. C that was K like your same. favorite fact yeah, about like, it. Oh, that's so smart. You know. <laughs> uh, but also, they one guy in there um, taught everyone else Spanish. Through the wall, Shucks. tapping. Yeah, it made me feel like such a loser. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm in high school copying well, people's homework. <laughs> Wait a minute, the, every, the, the punctuation's upside down. I'm out, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, they were telling the story about uh, him being in there, and they had heard rumor that John McCain was, was in uh, this POW camp with them. The first thing he taps out, one of his lifelong friends says, the first thing he taps out to him is keep up the fight. Yep. I'm just being honest with you telling you, I don't want to be a guy that just makes it through the camp. I want to be the guy in the camp, the camp that says, keep up the fight. Yep. That's the kind of guy I want to be. But with that sort of standard in place, it sets me up, I believe, to feel those failures even more dramatically. Yeah. You know, when I yell at my 11-year-old, like, you know, just, well, let's just stop right there. When I yell at my 11-year-old in a way that is just completely insane, if if I were recorded, I'd probably lose my job. Um, <laughs> I, I go to bed thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not at all who I thought I was. I'm not, you know, those one moments. But I'm sure even John McCain in this camp had some times where he was thinking, if I had a way to end it right now in this cell, I'd do it. Here's what I think is important to remember, and this is – this is just as much a reminder to me as it is to whoever's listening, is that there's been one guy on this planet that did things perfectly. Come on. Yeah. So if I had the expectation that even post-following Jesus, like it being in the walk, that I'm not going to fail, I'm freaking dumb. Zero <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. percent <0% laughs> chance. I, I, I speed. I, like, I break the law all the time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm failing. Yeah. And that's just the that's driving a Mazda. Right. It's just a minor. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm in a Civic. We have a Civic. Yeah. yeah, We We have have a nice Civic. We'll say that. We have to joke about these things. Right. But like, I just, perspective changes everything, I think, when it comes to walking with Jesus and the men beside us. It's just, you're going to lose your mind if you go through this thing without the right perspective. 
Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Yeah, so let me pull a little bit of other war history into this to kind of add to the conversation. What else? Why not? Let's go to World World War Two because all roads lead there. We right? are landing the plane in just a second, though. Just after, oh right? man, I'm just getting started. Oh man, we're at like 36 minutes. Okay, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> well, this is the idea. They right. they discovered they were sending in replacements to these guys that were on the front. Mm-hmm. It, you know, God forbid somebody died and they needed to be replaced. Yeah, they were putting them in foxholes, just sending the replacements in with a guy that had been there for a while, and they realized. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Because the guy that had been there for a while knew the drill for one, but for two, he, he, he couldn't care about the guy that was a replacement. Like you showed up, but you're going to be dead in a minute right. because the guy that was here before you, he died. Yep. You're going to die. So they figured out, we got to send these guys in together. The replacements need to go in together. The veterans need to be able to stick together because there's more I'm, camaraderie seems like a bad word, but they're going to yeah. stick together more. Yeah. You know, they there's a, there's a team team dynamic to it there. there. Yeah. That's what I'm searching for. I think so many of us get into this trap of forgetting who we are because we let our failures communicate to us the loudest. That's who you really are. And this is where we come in with what we believe as, as men who are following Jesus, our wor- worldview dictates to us that there is an enemy and yep. that the enemy is described as the father of lies, you know, the the origin of all deception. That's who he is. Yeah. So we go through these times where we fail. There are men listening to this right now who have been going through their entire day thinking about the failure that happened yesterday, whether it be an affair on their wife, pornography, whatever it is, money-related, anything. You yep. just pick the failure. There's a lot to choose from. <laughs> They've been thinking about it all day, and they have been fighting that perception that that's the thing that defines me as a man. Yep. Even John McCain surviving. Oh, we're celebrating this guy in an episode. He's dead now. He's not going to know we're <laughs> celebrating him. Yeah. But what did he fight? Reading that confession. Yep. That's what he fought. Yep. He still believed towards the end of his life that that was a defining moment for me. I really regret that, that I ever was that guy. And you, you just want to shake John in the interview and say, you what gotta, are you doing? You got to let that yeah. go, you know. But we do the very same thing. We do. We do the very same thing. So part of this phrase that we're working out here in the middle, and this is me kind of getting to landing the plane. Yeah. We're picking on it because it really struck uh, struck a nerve for me personally, long enough to forget who you are. Mm-hmm. But that's something we all do. Yep. We all are in places long enough to forget who we are. The difference is we don't have anybody pulling us back into the boat if we're living that isolated life, if we're not existing in community. What does community mean? You described it so beautifully earlier. I want to come back around to that and talk about it for just a second. It's you feeling a particular way about yourself and having men around you. We can't say that loud enough. Not your wife, not women, not not your female children, not your daughters. Men, grown men around you, hearing you describe what's going on in your life, hearing you describe the way that you feel about yourself and reminding you, that's not who you are. Yep. That's not who you are. It reminds me of an exercise you did at Awake uh, two years ago where you got all the guys that were at Awake that year and yeah. just you, know, yeah. you got the leaders to just point out things that they knew about the the student and like, you know, you're good at whatever this or you're a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That was awesome. My, my guys still talk about that. And that was two years ago. And okay. they're in middle school. <laughs> Well, if you win there, right. you're really winning. Yeah, yeah they have so major short-term memory loss. I can, Yeah, I can even resonate right now with how I feel about how awkward it is just to compliment another man. Yeah, shame on that. Even that, yeah, even that, that's been taken from us. Yeah. You know, like, man, you're you're really good at this. I respect this about you. Yeah. I noticed this the other day. We're so, it, it affects us so much that David's gay. They yes. think David might have been gay. Oh, yeah. yeah how well, 
Uh, there's so much there, man. How do you tell me to land the plane and then give me a soapbox? Yeah, my oh, bad. How could you do we that? can make it two parts if you want, but they <laughs> mess up our schedule. Well, yeah, well, the idea is maybe this does need to be, maybe the length of it, we need to break it up. But yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on inside of our culture. And I'm not like a Fox News culture warrior guy. I'm just not. But I do think we need to define what's happening inside of masculine culture so that it doesn't seem like, and we've been accused of this inside of the hangar, that we're starting some sort of undercurrent cult of guys that are pulling together and have this weird worldview. That's not it at all. I'm just actually growing a set of taters behind a microphone <laughs> and saying, this is going on inside of our culture. Yeah. This is happening. On both sides is on what both needs sides. to be heard. I could care less who you vote for. Yep. I could care less who you vote for. Could've. Because remember I said both guys have sold the soul, soul of the devil. Yeah. We'll, we'll get past that. Yep. I could care less your political affiliation. I could really care less your denominational affiliation. <laughs> Preach. What I want to talk about is how culture has impacted your view of yourself as a man. Yep. And right now, culture is in the tank. We're in the toilet with masculinity. Mm -hmm. Some of it's earned. Some of it's not earned. I don't want to get into that debate either. What I want to talk about is the facts about how men are viewing themselves and what little experience I have in the world of women and how they are desperate for men to begin acting as men. But the truth about it is no one's going to pave the way for us. We've got to get the machete and kind of hack our way through the jungle <laughs> and figure out what, what is even our destination. And I see a lot of guys, quite frankly, I see a lot of guys who are giving up when they meet resistance. And I've asked myself, why do we give up when we meet resistance? Again, John McCain, resistance didn't give up. More resistance did not give up. There's a point in a man's life where resistance just becomes fuel. That's where I want us to get to. Resistance just becomes fuel because I believe there's something out there. There's a way that every hanger man can live that he deserves to live. Not allowing his failures to define him. Understanding that he's going to fail. Failure is part of learning. I'm going to fail forward. But anytime we experience failure, we feel like that defines us. And we don't have that sort of relationship with other men. This is what I'm really trying to get around to. We don't have the relationship with other men where I can very freely, quickly move into your story and say, man, you can't let that define you. It was a mistake. You made it. You need to apologize for it. But let me very quickly remind you who you are. You are a good friend. I'm, I'm saying that to you right now. You are a good friend. We've been sharing friendship now for years at many different levels. <laughs> like sometimes I, you work for me. Sometimes I worked for you. I don't know. It got weird there for a minute. Uh, but we've experienced friendship over a long period of time. You are a very loyal guy, and you are willing to do the work necessary to stay in relationship. So there are probably times in your life where I've needed to tell you that a lot sooner than right now. But I've I've been slow to do that. Why have we been slow to do that? We go back to these other relationships that happened in antiquity, and we automatically believe that these men must have been sleeping together. It says that they loved each other. Well, that definitely means sexually. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, like people, uh, people experience relationship. Men experience relationship and intimacy with other men that isn't sexual, which yeah. opens up a whole, a whole other world. But I'm going to take a, a break here, Pauls, and kind of throw it to you. Do you see the same things that I'm seeing? In which way? Like the negative sides? Like the culture things? Yeah, the culture things. Yeah, oh, and how yeah. it's affected us as men. Oh, I even, I, I, I've seen more of the women craving real men come to light in the past year than I really knew was out there. Like the 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 vocal is the minority in that, and what feminism is turning into. Okay. We're yeah. not, and do not hear me. We're not here to attack feminism. We're here to that attack. That would be foolish, yes. Yeah. We're, we support women. 
we marry them. <laughs> we like women. Look at that. But we have to figure out where we stand on how it is we define roles and leaderships and where we look at it biblically. Mm. We're not here to bash anything. We're not here to bash. We're not here to dominate women. We're not here to overbear women or anything like that. I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. That, that Go ahead. Sense, I'm enjoying That's it. all right. Yeah. But we are here to take the role that God has given us as men unashamedly. And thank God I have a wife who agrees with me, who <laughs> lets right. me do that. You looked up there. Yeah. And yeah. she she's vocal and obnoxiously for whatever it is that she's for, and I love it. Yeah. But when it comes to leading us, she's behind me 100%, mm. and that's because she knows her Bible, right? Right. And thank God she does, because yeah. luckily I know it too, so we agree. Right. So, and and we I, we're very newly married, and there's a long line coming ahead of us, but even even in the little bit of time we've had, we've had things where, where obstacles happen, but we have perspective and roles that we have deci- defined based on, you know, where God calls us as men and women. And it has grown our relationship so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even put it in the words, right? Yeah. So what I mean, or my purpose behind saying all that is if you trust the process that God has put into place in all aspects of relational things, it's going to work out. There it is. Yep. It's going to work out because it's freaking God. <laughs> the dude who I love how everything the, you say, you're like, there's just in parentheses, like, isn't this obvious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which and it, I say this all the time to my, my middle school guys, like walking with Jesus on paper is simple. But it's hard because we're not Jesus. Yes. It's complicated because we're flawed. Yes. That's what makes it hard. And that's what makes it so awesome. God has blessed us with so many gifts. One of those is community. Like, it's not just following Jesus' teachings. It's having people alongside us that are doing it with us. There's so much beauty there. Yeah, well, I'm just just enjoying that I'm I'm not getting a backstop. I'm getting some feedback here because I think— Men wrestle with this idea, and we have never wanted to present inside the hangar that we have everything figured out. We've got the manual for masculinity. If you'll just follow these five or six steps, then you're going to be the man you've always wanted to be, driving a Harley, all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. That's not what we're I'm going to screw up this afternoon. Yes. It's coming. Yes. That's as soon as we – in fact, we probably paused this episode and screwed up right in the middle of it. (laughs) You know. So, But here's the idea is that we're working this out together, but we will claim – without being ashamed that we believe that God's design for humanity is the perfect design. Men have been messing that up since the beginning. Yep. But that doesn't mean that the creator is flawed or that what he has created is flawed. What's interesting to me is I study Jesus, if we can just get that deep into it right now. Mm-hmm. As I study Jesus, I see him doubling back and helping people understand, helping men understand. Here's what this is actually about constantly trying to explain to these guys that he had with him, these 12 guys, one that would betray him in the end, by the way, which he (laughs) knew. Uh, He's doubling back, and he's trying to help them understand exactly what's going on. Then after all this stuff happens uh, that that we just celebrate inside the Christian community with Easter, he shows up again, and he meets the needs of one of the guys, very particular need there. So I think when you talk about investing in middle school guys, this is something we need to call men across the globe to 
we need to start investing in the generation coming after us because we have felt two things, the deficiency of being invested in ourselves and initiation and also being immersed in a culture that does not believe that men should be leading. Thus, we've created a vacuum of leadership inside of our culture and it has caused horrific results to come down the line. And anybody who wants to argue that, we should bring them on, put them behind a microphone. Please. It's just the facts. We have men not living as men, and the world is going in a way that it shouldn't be going. Yep. You can bring every example to me that you need to of men who are leading and cause the world to go in a wrong direction, and I can take the design and show you how they were going against the design. But when we live by design, the way that God has designed us in masculine community with each other, so many of these things begin to resolve themselves. And I think this is what, this is how I'm trying, let me speak this out. This is how I'm trying to honor the Me Too movement. I'm showing these women who are pointing out, these are men that were abusing their power. These were men that were consumed with consumption. And I can say, I know these stories They've been happening for a very long time, yep. and we know the answer. And part of that is being in community. Really dangerous thing when a man convinces himself that he's a failure. Yep. You're going to act out how you feel about yourself, and you're yep. going to keep on failing. But when you put yourself in, in a situation where you're in community, even if it means you have to tap through the walls and you're receiving the message, you are a fighter. You're a fighter. You are a man. You can face the world. You can be okay even if other people aren't okay. I know the truth about you. you know, so maybe this is how we end this episode today. You probably should. We probably should. You put out the question to some people in your in your life. I'm saying a hanger man listening right now. Yeah. Puts out the question to other men in his life. So this would be the first filter to catch right here. Do you have other men in your life? Yep. If you don't, let's start there. Yep. If you do have other men in your life, then you ask them the question. How do you see me? Do you feel like you really know me? Opening yourself up to that relationship because you know eventually your life is going to take you to a place where you're going to need somebody to remind you who you are. Mm -hmm.